beginning of so like we'll play a song into it and then once the song's over your mic won't be hot until Shane switches it over to you mm-hmm. but once the song's done playing you're basically will be on Jim, Jim talks like he knows how this all works I don't know how any of like the electronic works <laughs> but I know how the flow of the show goes that is true okay. alright you ready oh we've been uh, recording for a minute and a half alright well whenever, oh, whenever Mike's well, right Mike's gonna play a song okay Welcome back, y'all, from Hither and Yon to another episode of Cutting Weight. We've got a Hall of Famer, a Wall of Shamer, and a Shaner. <laughs> wow, that was we've good, got Mike. Two Hall of Famers, <laughs> and then we've also got our marketing consigliere, Tony Brunetti, Tony Braxton Brunetti. Uh, we got a lot to talk about since we haven't talked about it for so long. We apologize to our loyal fans out there. The three of you uh, are probably near suicidal at this point. Uh, just probably you know in the winter mode hibernation yeah so we we've we've been busy i hope you've been busy we've been shoveling digging ourselves out of the snow here and enjoying a uh, a crisp crisp winter very very chilly these this time of year yeah it went from uh pretty mild and now it's just like we're in the shit no, yeah. you know what i mean yeah this is this is uh northeast ohio's vietnam for sure <laughs> hey the sun came out for like 15 minutes yesterday it was glorious uh we've got another hall of famer joining us here uh his name is sir edward trebitz um and again we've gone down the rolodex of everyone that jim knows and i believe we've probably got another first time listener and if you've ever <laughs> if you've ever thought about ho- being a guest on the cutting weight podcast it's your only chance to hear it live and uncut. And so, in all its glory of the Cutting Weight Cabin. Exactly. I mean, and that's the best way to hear it. So, Ed, uh, welcome. You've been baptized into the Cutting Weight family. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we thought we'd have Ed here tonight. He, um, this guy I've known for uh, quite a while. Um, his in-laws live just a couple doors down from me. And I knew him before that, but I've got to know him a little bit better, obviously, since then. And Ed owns uh, a place called Urban Venture, and it's in Willoughby. He makes wine. He's been making wine for many years. So he was, you know, gracious enough to come and join us tonight and talk a little bit about what he does and how he got there and how he ended up, you know, where he's at. But first, Ed, you brought, usually we'll do a beer and we'll kind of highlight a beer and typically they're IPAs and they're <laughs> about eight or nine percent alcohol. So <laughs> They're juicy, they're hazy, and they're yeah. not nearly as refined and exquisite as what we're drinking here tonight. And I've already had a sip and it's, it's fantastic. So tell us about it. Yeah, All what right. are we drinking here, Ed? So this is the uh, Urban Vintner... Cabernet Reserve. Uh, the grapes come from Red Mountain, Washington. Red Mountain is an area just above the Columbia River, if you know where the Columbia River is. Um, and they call it the Napa Valley of Washington State. So uh, high, um, yes, yeah. very, yeah, up up there. So that, that's where you want to in the mountains, an right, arid to area. get warm days and cool nights, which extends the season. And, I normally don't get the grapes till November, but uh, they're always top quality. And what so. what specific type of grape is in this one? Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and yeah. it's a Cab Reserve, right? 2019. Correct. Good year. That was a good year. Yep. 
<laughs> and is this so is, I just know people say so that I, I, I mean I don't know it was better than 2020 I know that 2020 2021 have been shitty it was I, don't know, I don't know how the wine goes but, <laughs> but in the, general those years have not been the greatest yeah cheers but to the grapes the grapes probably don't care I don't think the grapes have had COVID or had to deal with it hopefully no they didn't although I bet you've probably had some issues I mean have you had issues with COVID and getting grapes and Hell yeah like uh, everybody else with whatever shipping there weren't truckers oh yeah right. I mean we couldn't get the grapes across the country yeah, and then and when that happens, then the shipping costs yeah they doubled mm-hmm. in a year. So it just you know, but you got to work through it. Is there? I mean, is there in Northeast Ohio? I know Ashtabula, you know where, and you teach at Kent State Ashtabula, yes. the uh, Vintner um, Viticulture Analogy Program. I thank you for walking me through that because I would not have gotten that. <laughs> so thanks, thanks for the help there. But like so. In Ashtabula, your chances of growing a grape and 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 uh, fermenting that and then making your own wine compared to Red Mountain, Washington, that grape, what are the differences and like what how 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 does this compare? Well, we, you know, in northeastern Ohio, we grow some really good grapes. It's just the problem is our climate is so different every year. You know, you don't you never get a vintage that's the same. Because one summer it'll be hot and dry, and the next year it'll be rainy and shitty the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't just. So the consistency all, is like really hard to gauge where it's going to be. It is. It is. And I tell my students, I said, if you can make wine in Ohio, you can make it anywhere mm-hmm. because you yeah. got to know how to deal with the changing of the seasons. And, Absolutely. Um, and the changing of the grapes because they are different. Yeah. So. Tell me about your student population there. Is it? Is it? older is it younger i mean are are kids interested in this stuff now are they business people that are starting their own you know small business so my program is what we call a hybrid program so it's online uh about 90 percent of it and then two weekends out of the semester they come to campus and meet with me and we work in the lab and do a lot of that stuff but my average age is between 30 and 60 so yeah. I have the non-traditional college student. Uh, they have families, they're right. married, and most of them are second career. So they're looking to mm-hmm. change careers or maybe they want to start their own business. And I've had several graduates who have started wineries. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. it makes it enjoyable to teach because I don't have to beg them for work. Yeah, They're, <laughs> they're always in class. Well, they're there because they want to be there and they're paying for it themselves. They're paying for it, right. Yeah. 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 So I just, judging by the name, you've hidden the fact that it's about wine pretty well. So you don't get like hobos walking off the street <laughs> with an empty bottle of Thunderbird like, fill me up, boss. <laughs> right. You just call it an ology. Yeah. You can right. add an ology to anything and it sounds really smart, so... Um, so uh, now you've, you've obviously mastered wine as a um, vintner. Is there is there two ends in that? Yes. All right. I'll make sure I get <laughs> that second end and in there. That's a new word I learned today. And I actually and a vintner is like a winemaker, right? Yes. Is that the definition of it? A vintner? Yes. Yeah. So can I, can I ask a question about this wine first, though? The one we're drinking. Yeah. We're not accustomed to you talking a whole lot. What, what's well, let's, going let's on? Let's just get it out of the way. I told him right. he has twenty words tonight. All right, hang let's, on. Let me turn up your microphone. <laughs> Are you counting? <laughs> yeah, he's already used six of them. So it just made me think. Like I've, I've been to Napa Valley and gone on a wine tour and stuff. So what? What? Oh, humble, kind of, humble brag. Wow. It was like <laughs> twenty years ago. 
what kind what kind of oak barrels are we uh so the, french american that's a great question yeah wow um so after the second fermentation they go to french oak and i'll leave it in there i'd like to leave it in there six months or longer but it depends on my you know my uh how much i have an inventory so if i'm getting low then i can't really keep it in there that long but i keep tasting it and once i feel it's ready then i pull it out and it's ready to go so but i love french oak yeah that's what i was i, I wanted to guess that but i didn't want to like guess and be completely wrong so that was yeah you really yeah. put yourself out there shane was, would they now would they ever make wine in like whiskey barrels is that even yes a, they do yeah yeah if you go now go to the store and look at mandavi he's got a whiskey barrel or bourbon barrel cabernet a lot of wineries are doing that now gives gotcha. it a different flavor profile it's a good gateway drug from bourbon into <laughs> wine like you know you're pulling in another another market all right you're really so on this on this specific one this cab reserve what like if you were to describe the tasting notes which i know i'm not really i like the taste of wine but i could never tell you like the different things i might be noting on that how would you how would you describe this ed a lot of deep dark jammy fruit yeah um it's got good tannin structure really didn't have to do a lot of oak on this because it already had the tannins which are the grape tannins and it's just well balanced yeah I mean, it's, it's i will say it's like it's probably my favorite wine that you make and i've you know sampled probably just about every one you had and um i mean this is always the one that i end up buying when i just come in, come in the shop in December and it's Christmas time. Like, right, let me have those ones and yeah, it's it's one of my my favorites. Yeah, it flies off the shelf. Yeah, it's it's really good. Thank yeah, you. fantastic. Thanks, thanks for sh- thanks for sharing it with us. Do you get um? Is there a big rivalry between you and the rural vintners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there can be. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew it. I knew it. Kind of like Hatfields and McCoys, I think. <laughs> I think so. Well, those urban vintners don't know what they're doing. Those city folk. Well, that's why well, because at a winery. Oh, okay, all right. I can say it here on this dub and A. I was there thirteen yeah. years. Yeah, if if you if you're being cautious, just let it fly because no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they truly believe in using local produce. You know, grapes and. I did it for so long, and I made 200,000 gallons a year there. So I made a shitload of wine. And I just, when I left, I said, I'm going to do what I drink. Right. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I, we drink caps from the West Coast and Europe, and that's what we like. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to make that. Right. If I'm going to end my career doing what I'm doing now, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. So that was my kind of my philosophy. But, yeah, there is a... There's kind of a little war going between because they look at me and they're like, well, why you buy grapes for me? I'm like, I don't want your grapes. <laughs> it's not what I, you know, it's not what I drink. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Ohio's not a, a hot spot for Cabernet grapes, it, no, right? I mean. No, but I did buy Chardonnay locally. Yeah. And I'm going to release it in February. It's fantastic. So. Nice. We, uh, I had an opportunity. I didn't drink a lot of wine until later on in my adulthood, and um, I'd say in terms of my adulthood, I'm still probably. <laughs> I was going like, to ask, when did you hit that? When, when did you hit that? <laughs> <laughs> but I went to. I got a chance uh, a few years ago to travel to Azerbaijan and Georgia, 
and uh, there's a grape out there called the Saparavi grape, and it's a fantastic uh, wine. I, I really got hooked on that. I almost, so almost I gotta, didn't leave. <laughs> and it's, so I got to tell you, we were driving here, and I told Jim I was out in Conneaut today. Mm-hmm. We uh, have a research station out there. Well, Kent State got awarded a grant this year that I'm in charge of. That is one of the grapes that we Fantastic, are. Fantastic, yeah. And I cool. just bottled some of it today. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's, That's going to fly off the shelves. I'm <laughs> telling is. you. because I, I love it. It's in such high demand in Washington, D.C. You can't find it because, you know, the State Department's there. People travel pretty regularly. You know, Georgia's kind of a... Um, you know, a close ally of the United States, close to Russia, so we're kind of invested in it. But so a lot of U.S. government officials travel there, and it just flies off the and shelf. It, and it's a super drinkable. Well, like, and it wine. can be grown here. Oh, super well, I imagine winter winter climates are very, yeah. very similar. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. So we're looking at growing it in Ohio. Oh, great news. If huh. we do, we now, should do some field research. <laughs> we well, it sounds like he's doing some right now. <laughs> I, I'll bring you a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, is this a grape that was just like specific to that region of Eastern Europe, and like? Yeah, it's like a native grape to their region. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think I while I was there, someone had told me like the oldest wine casks in the world were found in in that region of uh, you know Armenia, Georgia, mm-hmm. Azerbaijan. And is it a red grape? It's, it's a, red a red grape. grape. Yeah. Yep. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, pack your bags. Bro. Who knew? We're going. Yeah. We're going to Georgia. We're going to the South Caucasus, folks. <laughs> war, war torn. And well, you've always said that, like, if you'd love to do a guy trip, and we're saying, like, ah, oh, you go to Vegas or let's go, you know, no. here and there, and it's like we're going to the South Caucasus. I would go. I'm telling you, I would go. So we took a. I don't know if I've told the story on the show. I hope. I don't I think you have. have. But but we went to Azerbaijan a week after the freestyle world championships were there. And we wrestled Azerbaijan in the finals, and we beat them. And uh, we had landed at Baku, like, the night before and um, spent a few days there. Anyway, very popular sport there. So, like, the next time, like, a world championship goes through Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, or something like that, it would be, that would be kick-ass to go there. And we took a train from Baku to uh, overnight. It takes you, you get, get on the train at, like, 8 o'clock, and then you ride on the train overnight until you get to Tbilisi, Georgia, at, like, 7 a.m. the next morning. And uh, the only thing you can do on the train is just drink and play cards, basically. And that's what we did the whole time. We drank nothing but, uh, um, I forget what they called it. It's like a, their their form of vodka. It's basically like vodka. And uh, we just got hammered and ended up in Tbilisi. But it's, I mean, it's a really, it's a really cool place. That's you know. Plus, more, it's so, more I'm sure it's so, it's so old though. Like the the oh. history there. I mean, that's kind of like the yeah. the cradle of, you know, culture for yeah. that region. Yeah, very cool. I, I mean. We can go to Vegas anytime, um, but we pretty much do what we do here. <laughs> you know, I mean, so we might as well go explore. We'll see. I don't know. Let's put it on the map. We'll it's just probably a pain to get to, I would imagine. It's not probably like, it's not, not like exp- you, you know, you make a connection in New York and you get straight to Tbilisi, Georgia. Yeah, and there's it's about a 50 50 chance you'll get human trafficked out of there, too. So it's, you know, it, 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 but the wine is great. It's worth it. Well, from what Ed's telling me, it's worth it. So it is worth it. We may be able to get it here soon. So. That reason yeah. goes out the window. Oh, well, fantastic. don't tell our wives that. We'll say that we can only get it in the in Georgia, so they don't they don't need to know that it's <laughs> going to be on the shelves. Listen, yeah. it takes five years to get a good crop, <laughs> so if we plan them next year, you got five years to yeah. plan your trip. Yeah, well, that's actually good because it gives us a you know a deadline. Like we need to get there before yeah, they start, they come to market here. We just got to loosely tie it to <laughs> some type of one once in a lifetime event like. 
I don't know the Olympics. Like we just want to drink wine in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. that- so you're going to go six thousand miles? <laughs> okay. Well, well, I need yeah, some thought. Well, I mean, we'll, yeah. We'll, now we'll, you're going to study the grapes. That's yeah. Right. That's right. We're on a we're on a mission for Ed to do some recon. Yeah. In the Southern Caucasus. Yeah, amen. I don't think that's there great. needs to be anything. Maybe Ed needs to go there, see the fields, and help. Need some helping hands along the way. And he probably needs some security detail. <laughs> there we exactly. go. Exactly. And then we can get those too. But I mean, we're just. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. What, I mean, it's not going to be us. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Um, a lot's happened since we last had the podcast. We finished up the NFL season. We've gone through, um, you know, I guess the initial stages of signing future contracts and releasing players and everything else, and. Uh, we just had an interesting divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and I've said it before. That's my favorite weekend of of professional sports, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Two meaningful games on Saturday, back-to-back, two meaningful games on Sunday, and they did not disappoint. I mean, it was like every every game was more crazy and exciting than the previous game. Uh, it was absolutely amazing, and I, I thought for sure at least one would be a blowout. The, the away teams showed up. I mean, the, the books just have to be losing their minds with the, the way those games turned out. Um, so, I, Shane, you're our you're our resident you know gambler. Tell us, tell um, us what like you how how, about money, the how much money did you lose last weekend, Shane? Let's just well, if we if we had legal sports betting in Ohio yet, where I could do that, I probably would have probably would have lost money because that's what I do with that. But um, <laughs> so I did not wager anything on any of the games last weekend. You'll be proud of me. That's a shame. Um, so I, can you put yourself in the position of a Bills fan with? Any amount of money on that. On that. Oh just a god. Bills fan. Oh my god! Like, did anyone see the probability chart on that game? Was it just like up and down? <laughs> so and it, down? it goes. I mean, it's pretty normal. You know what you'd expect to see just from the coin toss to the kickoff to the to the for a game, and then the last four minutes of the game, it spikes Bills, <laughs> spikes Kansas City, spikes Bills again, and then goes back down with Kansas City winning by uh, in overtime. It was and just like it was bonkers. just crazy. I mean, I was watching it with my son, and we're like, "Well, the Chiefs are going to win." And then it was like, "Oh my God, this just happened." The Bills are going. Then like, "Oh my God!" I mean, it was just like, and then there's 13 seconds left, and you literally think like, "There's no possible way that Chiefs can even, you know, score or tie this." Two plays, you know, 11 seconds later, um, kicking yeah. field goals. And I honestly think Josh Allen was probably the better quarterback that game. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, uh, well, that was the thing with those quarterbacks. And, I mean, Ed, you played football. Did you watch the, the Bills game? The, the parts of it, yeah. I mean, watching, like, Mahomes and Josh Allen play and then, like, thinking back in my mind to, like, what I watched this year as a Browns fan, like, they're, Baker Mayfield wasn't even in the same stratosphere <laughs> as what these guys were doing. <laughs> I mean, his ball was in the stratosphere some of the time. Well, if it wasn't in the opponent's hands, it was in the stratosphere. Something, but it's like it made me think of how far. And you're a big Browns fan too, Ed, right? You got you got oh, tickets yeah. to the game. I mean, like he's nowhere close to being like remotely on a level to compete with. I, I think I think these guys. I think there are 28 teams that wish they had those two quarterbacks in the NFL. They're they're they are the future of the NFL, and I don't know that. Um, yeah. I, I'm. I'm as as a, a fan of football that has no interest in either of those teams, I can't wait to watch these guys play the next couple of years and just battle it out. I mean, I would love to, you know, see any of our teams compete with them. But boy, that was that was fun to watch. I mean, some some of those arm angles that Mahomes throws the ball from, and then oh, yeah. and then yeah. Josh Allen, I don't know, he might have the 
the biggest rocket I've ever seen of an he's arm. He's got a rocket <laughs> arm, and then if he needs to like run for four yards through two linebackers, like he'll do that too. Like, oh, and he, he did it a bunch. Yeah, he's, game, he's not I mean. like a Lamar Jackson where yeah. he's scrambling around. And like they do design like power runs with him, and then the next minute, you know, he gets five yards first down. Yeah. Then the next second, he's throwing like a laser thirty yard out pattern yeah. right on the money. It's like Jesus Christ! Like how can you? If he stays healthy, like it, it would be hard to imagine him not being like a massive force in the league for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Which isn't good for AFC teams, you know. Well, I mean, and the other quarterback, Joe Burrow, in the Bengals game, I mean, he if he wasn't getting sacked nine times. Yeah, he would, he's good. He's he's pretty darn good, too. I mean, he's just a, he's just like a gamer. Like, that dude just he just wants to win. Like, he do what he needs to do. So, Ed, you were a uh, you played football for Lake Catholic. Yes. Graduated from Lake Catholic and then went on to Case Western, where you played as well, and um, are well renowned. So, what? Who lost the game? Did did the Chiefs win it with 13 seconds left? Did did the overtime rules? Did the coin toss win it? Did did the overtime rules win it, or did the Bills defense lose it? I mean, 13 seconds left. You give up 60 yards, like. Boy, like, well, yeah. a lot of people have been talking too. Like, why don't you just squib kick that? Right, you know, to get a even those like two or three extra seconds off the clock. I mean, that could have made the difference there. Yeah, I, I never blame it on the rules. Someone, I, I mean, you just got to get it one stop on one play. Yeah. yeah, knowing, I think what they should. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They were rushing like five guys. Like you know, they have to throw a pass. Like. There's no, and they got to do it really, really quick. Like nobody's going to get to the quarterback in half a second when they get the ball out. So why are you rushing five guys? Like, put more guys back, right? So my question always was, why prevent defense when you have these great quarterbacks who can pick you apart, even if you have? That yeah, I think um, I don't know who it, you know who it was. I mean, yeah, but like rush two and <laughs> drop everyone else back at the the fifteen yard you know fifteen yards back, and you know Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey is getting the ball. One of yeah. those two guys is getting the ball. Yeah, like quadruple, triple team them, and if Mahomes like breaks the pocket, then then you eat maybe ten yards. But like don't. Oh my gosh, it's just silly. I was uh, doing some research today, and I, I googled your name. Uh, came up with Edward Trebitz. and I don't know. I mean, you played there four years. You're in a. You're in the 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 Hall of Fame there, and they couldn't find a better stock photo of Ed Trebitz playing football Wait, than you spooning that. with this kid from Otterbein. <laughs> I think. I don't know. What. <laughs> Wow, that's what you'll forever be known for. On the- I think that was Overland. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, congratulations! Well, on we'll, we'll post that as the thumbnail career. for the po- this podcast. <laughs> Let me see that again. I yeah, didn't get a good look I at that. I want to see that. Oh, that wow. might not be me. Is that me? Uh, right, what, what number were you at? Ninety-seven. It looks like a ninety-seven. Yeah, that's ninety-seven. <laughs> wow, and that's a pretty pretty slick uh, crew crew cut you had there. Very too. tight. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Uh, very marine esque. Yeah. You look like you're about to get shipped off the next day. It was uh, Tom and Willie's barber shop on 185th Street. I remember that's where Timmy I Gibbons used to get his hair cut. Oh, and yeah. he'd... I'd go in there and the whole Gibbons family would be getting a haircut. <laughs> so did you were you uh, contemporaries of Tom Gibbons then or yeah. pretty close? Yep. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Tom is uh, Tommy Gibbons was eighty eight, I was eighty nine. So you graduated with Bernard and Dale. Bernard and Dale. Will. Oh, Whale well, Bablozzi. <laughs> Two of uh, we we usually treat um, some of our listeners with some um, 
with some decency and some we're very discreet so dale k <laughs> is uh whale bablozy <laughs> and uh like uh you know brian f is ryan burrito <laughs> So. Just you know, we like to keep people. Uh, we know you guys. Personal lives, you know. Right. Right. If you're listening to this on your burner phone, whale. <laughs> hang in there, buddy. Enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> that had to be a fun class. Tom Bernat played football for John Carroll. I found that out today. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. He claims that at one point he like had back to back interceptions in like two possessions within like five seconds of each other, and it was like a. It was like a Guinness Book of World Record, like actual record. Like, do you know about this? Ed? No, I don't. Like it was, it's, it was a no, weird. No one knows. It was a weird this. circumstance where he was playing cornerback or safety. He intercepted a pass, you know, out of bounds, changed possession. Carroll gets the ball back and fumbles it in like two seconds. They're back on defense. They throw another pass. He intercepts it again. So within like six seconds, he had two picks, and he claims it was like on the Guinness Book of World Record or something like that. You'll have to ask him. Like we need, we need Tony. We need you to fact check that because it, it's, it seems a little contrived and far fetched. Well, so at four thirty at work, I'm really just starting to research for the podcast, and I hope no one from work is listening. But the uh, they're, so not, as they're I, not. As I went down this uh, this Google hole, I ended up on like this lake. Um, late Catholic football wall of alumni that go on to play football. See, Mike always says like, kind of his dream would have been to play for Lake Catholic. Like, I am an honorary. <laughs> as much as I know about the school. Well, um, at one point when we were, Mike went to Carroll with me, and we were like, it was a Friday night. We were in, at Carroll, and I'm like, hey, do you want to come back to Mentor and watch the late game? I was going back to watch him. and it was me and Mike and like a bunch of other guys, alumni, standing there. Not that Mike was an alumni. And the game's over, and Coach Gibbons is like walking off the field, just kind of saying hi to the alumni. And he like goes up to stall, and he's like, "Hey, great to see you! Thanks for coming to the game. It's so good to get back." And like, he, like he thought he had played for him. And Mike's like, "I, I think he thought he, I played for him." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." Well, that's yeah. So I consider myself an honorary member. The, uh, um, but I got on a like a I, I went down a trail of like Jeravicious, and uh, uh, there was a couple uh, Stanzi. Stanzi uh, ended up playing a football in the NFL, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a pretty rich, uh, rich little. What about uh, who was the one? Uh, I can't think of him. He was he was probably uh, your age, like a Kelly, Ben Kelly, Kelly. Kelly. Ben Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, he played for a little bit. I went down that rabbit hole. Anywho, um, uh, but yeah, a lot of lot of uh, rich tradition there in the in the Cleveland area, and that school in particular. Yeah. Speaking of rich traditions, Big Ben uh, is uh, finally going to hang it up. Two years too late, yeah. And uh, you guys, well, <laughs> I mean, it, I boy, it, it was really worth him coming back for the, like the the farewell he got. I mean, to go out the way he did, winning in Cleveland, winning in uh, in Baltimore, and then somehow squeezing into the playoffs with a a Colts uh, a Colts loss in Jacksonville. Well, the the, the 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 how they even got into the playoffs is like mathematically you know. impossible. I think still, and it still comes still down to the fact that they, t- they tied the Lions at like home. Like there was some, this whole season with the NFL was just so crazy. And, like, and that game yeah. that needed that needed not end in a tie almost ended in a tie, <laughs> so they could get in the playoffs. Like yeah. it was a wacky season. Like yeah, in general, it was it was exciting, but there was so much you know, like every team was so close. Yeah, you know, there wasn't like a team that stood out and. Even the Chiefs, who look like they could be the best team in the NFL right now, the first half of the season like didn't look very good, you know. Yeah, right. The, the first four games that, that we thought, you know, they were paper champs, but 
here they are making another run well uh so um I don't know if we're ready to get in predictions for the uh, championship games. Maybe we just uh, – who who are you pulling for? I'm pulling for uh, – I don't want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, although I think, you know, it'll be entertaining because they're an exciting team to watch it. I think I'm kind of pulling for the Bengals, maybe even the it's, 49ers. It's, like, I'm pulling tough. for the underdogs, I think. It's tough, like, ever rooting for uh AFC North team that's not the team that you want is yeah. your team. Um I guess of all the teams in the AFC North that aren't the Browns, like the Bengals, for me, seem like the least offensive. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Meisner, I hate Meisner will be so proud. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the lesser of all evils um, because they've been so kind of crappy. And the Browns have kind of had their number lately, so I don't have as much <laughs> ill will towards them. As yeah, for sure. Obviously, the Steelers and the Ravens, but I do think Joe Burrows is good. I think he's going to be another one of those guys that is going to give the Browns headaches for <laughs> many years A to come, time, yeah. which, yeah. Isn't, which isn't so hot, but... I don't know if they can. They what? They beat the Chiefs final game of the season in Cincinnati. I barely. It was a great game. Barely, and there were some yeah. questionable calls. Got a lot of help. From there the was refs, like I four think. or five penalties on that, yeah. like fourth and one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Chiefs. I mean, I, I think that a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl would probably be the most exciting because I think both teams have pretty good like firepower. Um, yeah. Although it's funny, like talking in, or to some some people and like listening to a lot of the sports talk. With the way the Niners have done what they've done, like that could be a a mold for like what the Browns could possibly do. I mean, the Niners run the ball, they play really good defense, and their quarterback is not a standout guy. Yeah, pedestrian. Yeah, I mean, how many times did you just throw the ball late in that last game? Like, he almost like threw three pick sixes, like out yeah. of the flat, like. But they, but they did win, and I, yeah, I don't know that that they've really built through the draft other than like Nick Bosa, but like. I don't know that you can do that anymore. I mean, like the some of the most successful teams are like we build through the draft. You know, we don't make a splash in free agency. Jeez, I don't, I don't know. Like the the, the game's kind of changing a little bit. Where I think you can really be players in the free agent market and and turn yeah. the corner with you your a team mix pretty goals. quick. Yeah. yeah, you need to draft well, but I think you can also be a little bit more active in free agent. Look at the Rams, <clears throat> Matt Stafford. I mean, they had they like draft they, they had Jared Goff and they said and he they took have like no the draft Super capital left. I mean, they tr- yeah. they have no like first round picks for the next three years. Yeah, well, that's dangerous too. Let's talk about the uh, Cavs. No, yeah, let's talk about the Cavs real quick. Ed, are you a basketball fan? Yeah. Did you play basketball in high school? I did. I was terrible. Yeah. What position did you play? Defense. You're like a defense. You you're a defensive specialist. You know who my freshman basketball coach was? Gib. Gib. <laughs> okay, so you played defense. We, <laughs> you played tackle. We never really practiced shooting the ball. He would t- he would line us up on the baseline and roll that ball to the middle of the court and just. Blow the whistle. And <laughs> we would all, and, right, we'd all go diving for the ball, knocking people over. That sounds about so, right. I think that's. Uh... I, I couldn't shoot real well because of that. And your and your but elbows played, and knees are always probably banged up from diving. I played on the all four four years because I could play defense. Yeah, and I could block people out. And put how was the ground. how was Lakes basketball team back when you were in high school? We were decent. Yeah, I mean we had some good players. Dave Poplick. Ackerman, uh, Figler, I'm trying to think who else. Frankie came. We had a pretty good team. Yeah, I don't even know how Lake's basketball team is now. I, I think know. you know what? I think they're average. Really. I was talking to Matt Moran. Yeah, we're talking he said to Matt. they're 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 okay, but they're young. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty funny. That get <laughs> given the basketball. <laughs> you guys wore helmets during practice. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had pads on. Mouth, pads mouth on. pieces. Well, and you know how we used to do, uh, like, suicides in football. Yeah. He, we'd, uh, he'd just run the hell out of us. We were in, the, in best. the best shape, I'm we sure. We were. We were. <laughs> he didn't know what else to do with you. We going to run the uh, diamond offense there? Go triangle offense? I've never heard of it. Gassers, well, get on the line. No, he liked to pick and roll. You know why? Because you could pick someone. <laughs> this is the closest thing to a sweep <laughs> that you could do. It was like a belly option. <laughs> There's no dribbling, just handoffs. <laughs> handoffs and quick pitches. No, yeah, that, that had to he be was funny. a good basketball coach. Well, he's, he really was, was. A, like a basketball official for a little while, he too. He was ref for games. a long time. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. I can't even imagine that. I, I, I had a chance to um, sit down and talk with Coach like two weeks ago. It was at that party we were at for Tim's Tim's wife. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't seen him in a little bit and sat down and started talking to him. And within like two seconds, he he's telling me about some game that St. Joe's played, you know, in 1975 and without having And like <laughs> he, rem- he, rem- he has like a photographic yeah. memory of – shit that happened 45 years ago like and he can tell you every like he can tell you where every blade of grass was and it, it is just crazy because sometimes if if you're not really into the conversation with him you might just you're, you're like what is he talking about but like he remembers every single thing about every single football play he's ever seen or seen not even been a part of but even seen on film like it's crazy that guy's memory for that stuff not necessarily the players <laughs> <laughs> no, but he'll know the players. He will. He will. He knows the players. Like you don't think he does, but he knows all that stuff is like steel trap up top, and it's there's a lot in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's like ask him about the 1964 Browns, the title game. He'll tell you every player on both teams, the plays they ran, why they ran them, why they shouldn't have ran them. Yeah, really. it's. I mean, he he's got. He he told me that um. I think it was like back in the day. Um, who was the guy that used to coach for the Giants? Who was like an older guy, like real strict, kind of like in the maybe within the last ten years, like Jim uh, Jim Haslam or no, it was uh, Jim Fassel or no. Jim Fassel. Fassel. Fassel was the, he won the Super or no, he lost the Super Bowl. He was the guy that won like when Eli Eli was a quarterback. It's the guy that started out in Jacksonville. It Tom, is Tom, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Yeah, Tom so somehow, like Tom Coughlin, I think started his career at. Uh, Boston College. He was from the East Coast, and before he got in the NFL, he was maybe in BC as like a coordinator or whatever. And I think Gibby had met him at one of the camps out on the East Coast, and they became kind of friends. So then, by the time Coughlin gets in the NFL, and he's like, he's literally the head coach of the Giants. He would send Gibby game tapes like on Monday, and Gibby review game tapes and like get back to him about like this is how you should like run this defense. Like he was like breaking down film. For Tom Coughlin, like, well, he's like in the NFL just as just for fun, because literally, like, that's what he loves. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. You could put him in front of a you know camera, and I mean, you remember Ed probably when you were playing for Gibby, and you'd get like film days on Mondays, like you would he would rewind the same play like five hundred times. And we had like, the old reels, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and the projector, he would click, click. I mean, and like, and you'd watch like to the nuance of like some guy's first step that was like your left guard that like was six inches off and like you'd watch it 30 times and like oh my and it was tough to like as a teenage kid you're like what are we you know this is crazy <laughs> but like yeah i mean he 
he was he was like a savant of watching and breaking down football tape. Oh yeah, it's just insane. Really? And the more like I hear as I get older and just from different old guys and guys that knew him at Latin and Joe's and Lay. I mean, he he was just like an amazing knowledge of the game. Oh yeah, you know, it's impressive. He would be a he would be an interesting guest to have on here. I say we do it. Oh, you have to. <laughs> Oh, that'd be fantastic. He, he would love it. He would love it, too. Yeah, he was, a, he, was right Joe's. <laughs> he was at Joe's when my dad was there. My, he's older than my dad, and he's, my dad was telling me, well, I was telling me like crazy stories. Like He, he threw like a desk at a kid. And like. <laughs> well, I think that happened at other places, too. I mean, Probably. <laughs> Sometimes kids were bad. They were. They were. Yeah, they need some fine-tuning. You, you had mentioned that uh, Ed was at Case. And you were a Hall of Famer too. Congratulations, linebacker, right? Yes, yes. Wow. A couple years of did baseball. You not, did you have and baseball? Wow, you yeah. really you did, did your research. I did my homework. I mean, there's, a, wow. there's some prep that goes into this. I mean, this doesn't all just happen. Now, well, but Ed, Tom Bernat claims to have a Guinness World Record, and it, or do you have any big records at case like sacks or tackles or yeah, most like face masks ripped off of people. <laughs> or, I think helmets broke. Oh, there you go. like yours or opponents. Both. Yeah. Wow. Combined very good. Uh, you might want to get CTC scans. CTE, uh, right? Now the twitch goes away. <laughs> Once the voices in the head stop. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I do remember from uh, that area is that by the time I made it to Carol and Shane and Stahl can attest, we used to always frequent the Euclid Tavern, which was a place that uh, was near and dear to your heart too, right, Ed? Yes, sir. <laughs> I worked there seven years, <laughs> and I served every underage <laughs> kid from like Catholic and John Carroll. I'm not sure Case. I was ever there once I turned 21. <laughs> well, did did you well, coach? At, did you coach at Case briefly uh, for a year? Yeah. Because I think I remember the first time I met you. Maybe you may have came into the Lake, and I was a senior. And um, I think Regis was Regis the coach at that time. Mm-hmm. And he maybe you might have, would you, I feel like I met you, like you were recruiting and like he came in and he talked to some of the players for Lake trying to just say like, hey, you know, think about Case and whatever. That's when I first met you, but I didn't really know you. I knew your sisters just from, you know, being around the same age at, at Lake with them. And uh, then we get to Carroll and we're freshmen and, you know, none of us can really get to bar, get into bars. And uh, I think we had heard like go to, like show up at the Euclid Tavern on Tuesday nights. You know, you got like dollar pitchers, like nickel wings. Like, all right, so we'd get down there and then trying to get in the door. And maybe I just had like a student ID because I think it was like 18 and over. But, you know, you, you literally just had to have like a, a sticky, like a, a post-it note and like, this is my ID. And like you were bouncing. Like, yeah, it's it's Jim Ayers. Like, I remember like, you went to Lake and you're like, all right, get in there. And, like, <laughs> and then like, all right, guys, we're in. And, like, you know, like 20 people come behind. And I mean, those nights were insane how many people uh, you would pack into that place. It was awesome. It One was of like the best jobs I ever had. Yeah, I tell you what, and best man of my wedding was the bouncer at the door, and I'd be bartending, and like my sisters, they were like. Now that was your buddy Og, right? Og, yeah. yeah, okay. Seventeen, eighteen, and he would look at me. I'm like, <laughs> I would like. Did the cops ever care? It was just like as no, long as like kids the aren't. Cops would come after hours. Yeah, we'd sit with the cops and drink and. This? <laughs> no, no, no one. No, no, oh, don't no, don't be was, ashamed. That was thirty years ago. Yeah, that was the good old days. My my favorite night at the Euclid Tavern ever was. It was the uh, 
American League, American League Division Series, the Indians were playing. I think it was game one or something. We were we worked there. I don't know if you guys were there or not. I think Jimmy, yeah, we sold, uh, we sold stuff at the game. Sold beer at the game, you know, going up and down. But you can only sell to like the seventh inning, mm-hmm. middle of seven. So we get, you know get all our stuff, cash out or whatever, and we're like, well, let's go to the Euclid Tavern. And the game ended up going to extra innings. Tony Pena hits the walk off home run, and like. That place was like it was insane. Well, like, I think it, I think it was like a Tuesday because every Tuesday, Tuesday they're like it, you couldn't move. I mean, yeah. it was yeah. like if it was ten degrees outside, it was a hundred degrees in the Euclid Tavern. I mean, it was like shoulder to shoulder craziness everywhere. And I remember sitting there watching on the t- like tiny little TV. We were in the back bar. Yep. Uh-huh. And he hit that home run, and like it just was bedlam in the in the Euclid. Tavern. I mean, people were going crazy. Like beer, like pitchers were flying. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> Or like the owner's wife, I think she just lined up the entire bar with shots and oh, just yeah. like filled them all up. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, I was there. I remember. You were there. I, I remember. Weird, that. you were. So who owned that place? Like back in the day, the Spellbars. That owned like Seabars. Uh, Seabars. Yeah. Yeah. Paulie okay. Spellbar owned it. Gotcha. Yeah. A couple other guys. What's yeah. it? Uh, has it been? You know, gentrified. What is it now? I don't know. I don't think it's anything. I mean, I know they. It was a happy dog for a little bit, it wasn't it? Was yeah. Then they brought the Euclid Tavern back. I'm not. I haven't been down there in a couple of years, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. Those were some like crazy memorable nights, though. I know that the the neon sign that used to be outside is like at some bar in, it's in like, Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, yeah. A country yeah. singer's bar like bought it and. Because like back in the day, the claim to fame, one of them was like they that remember that movie, The Light of Day, didn't mm-hmm. they like film that there? Yeah, like John Jett, Michael J. J. Fox. Yeah. yeah, I think I swear that when I was in college, I saw Jesus Lizard like play there like on a on a Wednesday night. Were like, there bands play. that would play yeah. like in the basement sometimes? No, yeah. they the stage. So when the stage you walked was... in, the bar was on the right, and then you had the room to the left. That's where the the stage was, and they would play right there. Yeah, and it was so loud oh yeah a lot of memories made and a lot of uh a lot of what we learned forgotten (laughs) there's a lot of things that i would like to remember that i just they come back in pieces over the years a little bit no so i mean you you worked at you you went to k said you you worked at the euclid tavern probably there and a little bit afterwards and then at, at case you got your degree in chemistry chemistry yeah. And then but then you got into teaching, right? Yeah, then I went to Carroll, got my masters in education. And then from there I got hired at Beechwood. Uh spent 7 years there. Teaching science, chemistry, coaching football, coaching baseball. So at some point you decided that making wine would be something that was more up your alley. So how did that transition happen? Like how did you go from being a chemistry teacher in high school and coaching high school sports to so, moving out and working at Debonet. Or was that your first, was that your next step? I mean, was there something between that or No, what I did is I not a very good decision. I bought the oldest house in Montville. <laughs> thinking, Doesn't sound like a good decision. Thinking like I could remodel it, not realizing that it was going to cost me three times what I paid for the house. Right. But during that time I was dating another girl and we were going to this one winery called south river south river vineyards out in like madison or yeah geneva Geneva area gotcha and i got to know the owner real well and every time i'd see him he'd sit down and have a glass of wine with us and i'd say you know how do you how do you plant your grapes how do you prune how do you pick and how do you make your wine and like six months later 
I'm asking him the same questions. And he stops me and he goes, Ed, he goes, I'm tired of the questions. What do you do for a living? So I'm a chemistry teacher. He goes, give me a resume. And I'm like, Gene, I know what you do. You're a farmer. I have a great job. He's like, no, 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 we're looking for a winemaker. Well, the whole time growing up, my dad used to talk about how his parents, especially his mom, they were bootleggers during mm-hmm. Prohibition. Yeah. And, you know, how grandma would pull the shade down and people would come around the back of the house to pick up their booze and they made wine and schlevo and all this good stuff. And and I always kept that in my in my head and and I the opportunity came up and I quit teaching June 7th and start making wine June 15th. So basically those first couple years at Debonair, I did, I knew chemistry, but I didn't know how to make wine. And I just kind of taught myself and, you know, perfected it. And now I'm still doing it. And it's in the blood. Own my in own In a business. different way than it's now in my blood. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, though. I mean, just to know that, like, there's some heritage in your own family uh, from past generations that would, you know, do it. And now, you know, you're kind of carrying on that tradition um, in, a more, well, in a more legal way, I well, guess. It was, it was funny, you know, I, my parents are both Slovenian and they're old school and, you know, you get a job, you stay with that job. You know? Did you get a lot of pushback when you, like... I, well, that was the thing. I called my dad and told him what I was going to do and he's like, do it. I was confused. I'm like, wait a minute. You spent 40, you're tricking me. You, yeah. 43 years Reverse at psychology. CEI. Yeah. yeah. And now you're telling me. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of cool. Well, I'm sure he's probably pretty proud of you now seeing what you've like done and what you've built. And now you're on your own doing your own thing. I mean, that's got to be pretty cool for him as a dad to, to look and see that, you know, you're doing that. So I'm sure that. And he doesn't drink wine. <laughs> what does he drink? Shots and beers. <laughs> well, he's 88. He doesn't drink anymore. But Shot and a beer kind of guy. I like That's it. That's right. Boilermakers. So have you made the transition uh, from wine? Do you dabble? Because um, we have this idea that um, you know we need a cutting weight a brew or an IPA with our own namesake on it. Have you made the transition to, to well, beer? Well, so when I was at Debonair, I was one of the original owners of Cellar Rats Brewery. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, it's now called Triple Wing. Okay. But I was one of the original owners, and I, you know, did all the lab work. I know how to brew beer, mm-hmm. if you ever need me to do that. So. <laughs> well, we've, well been t- we've been talking about it. Been, Give me been, a resume, been, <laughs> and we'll consider it. We're considering a lot. We know a lot of people that can do this, so uh, you know. But like, how would you like compare the two? Like, from making wine to making beer, is one more difficult? Is one do you need more patience on one? Is it, you know, is is it harder? I mean, obviously with wine you're dealing with grapes and beer. I mean, what do you, what what's your beer is harder to make than wine, and the reason being because it's sh- such a short timeline. Like you have days to get that fermentation right in beer. Because it's lower alcohol than wine. Mm-hmm. Wine, we can, we've got time to do things and manipulate and oak and where beer, if you don't catch it within that like five day period, it goes south, and mm-hmm. then you got to throw it out. Yeah, there's no fixing it. Yeah, literally. So you got to get it correct. 
and that's what makes it difficult. But the turnover, you can keep making beer quicker. Yeah, it doesn't quicker. take as long. Exactly. The thing with wine, and what a lot of people getting in the industry don't realize is that when from day one when you make the wine, it's going to be eight months, a year or two before you can put it on the shelf. Yeah. And make any money back. Right. Where beer, we can make it today and start selling it in a couple months. Right. And then you start making money and so So you found your groove with cabs. What was your favorite beer to make? Or was there uh, one that was kind of out in left field that you that was kind of groundbreaking or strange or not really. I wasn't the brewer. I was just the lab guy looking at the yeast. Making mm-hmm. sure his yeast was good for him to brew and no infection, no infection, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to get antibiotics ever. <laughs> well, some ladies, you, you did some some inspections for ladies that had some trouble. <laughs> uh, well, go, yeah. Well, if you're if you've got an itch, then <laughs> well, I think that's usually how you find out. <laughs> Bring him in. Uh, we got a yeast guy for that. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Soft, we know a yeast guy. Behavior. The, the cure is sitting on your shelf. Right <laughs> That's right. That's the that cures a lot of ills. I think. Yes, All right. So does. yeah. So let's let's complete the evolution here. So you've done wine. You've done. Um, your parents were um, moonshiners. Have you done any? Kind I have of- not tried it yet, but I. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, that would be fun too. And uh, yeah. and again, uh, we're, we will taste it. So whenever you start <laughs> we're, experimenting, we're, we're let us very know. willing subjects. I see. <laughs> now, is the process for making whiskey? Um, is that supposed? To, is that an easy process? Or I mean, it's well, it's it, a much higher alcohol content, right? Right. So maybe, but you, you ferment your grain or whatever you're using. You know, corn, vodka, or, potatoes, or you know, whatever. And then you take that and then you distill it. So what you do is you separate a lot of the components of that mash, water, mm-hmm. and you're pulling strictly liquor. The alcohol. The right alcohol out. out of it. And you keep distilling that. That's where you get the higher and higher alcohols. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's the same process up to that point. They just take it a step further and then you know age it and that's why i feel like when i drink whiskey i usually take it a step further too like that's <laughs> all, yeah. i can see where the correlation is you've always pushed the envelope <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> we ed and i would have some i think we haven't had one in a while but like obviously i live next to tom ed knows tom really well his in-laws you know live right next door and uh we'd have some uh you know i think if every once in a while Ed would kind of venture over to tom's and i'd venture over to tom's and There'd be some bourbon that I might have snuck over, and we'd have some little. Or you'd venture over to Primos. Oh, and... yeah. Speaking of which, like Ed just lost his father-in-law, probably about three weeks ago. Um, he was a guy I've known for since I was a kid, basically, and I grew up with his daughters, and I didn't know him super well, other than just as Mister Panzarello or Mister P. The last five years, I got to know him a lot better, just because he was a neighbor, and uh, it was kind of a refuge for me and Tom when we would. Uh, Maybe our families were driving us crazy or we just needed to get out of the house for a minute. We'd kind of sneak over to Mr. P's and he was always there, you know, willing to tell us some amazing stories from his past, which, you know, they're endless and hilarious and crazy and funny. And he'd always have a shot in a beer just waiting for you. And like, he, it was funny. Um, like you couldn't, <laughs> Tom and I would always joke, like you'd sit down at his uh, kitchen, like island table 
and you know within two seconds of being in there he's like hey jimmy let me get let me get you a beer like you'd have a beer in front of you in two seconds like you would you would never ask for one it wasn't even like a question of whether you wanted it like you're getting a beer and then he'd, he'd be talking to you and all of a sudden he'd be like patty like they need shots they need shots they need shots and like you're like no 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 and you turn your head for a second and you look back and there's like a shot in front of you i don't even know where it came from i think they had like a magical shot dispenser it's like popped up and it granite. was uh, but but we lost uh, we lost a great so i know you were really close with the med i mean um and I, I think more he's a guy that as you got to know him you couldn't help but be close to him i mean mm-hmm. he was just a, a larger than life figure with a, a larger than life heart you yeah. Know? yeah so we, and he we loved you guy you you and tommy were like two additional sons you well know. I, I i think that it kind of breathed like not i think when tommy and i moved next door and we got to like hang over there more i think it breathed a little bit more life into him too just because he i think it made him feel a little bit younger and there were some young guys he was hanging out with oh, and absolutely. It, you know i think and, and i had as much fun just listening to his stories i mean like you think my dad tells stories like mr peak and my dad you know could have went head to head and like just trying to top each other and just crazy stories from you know and, and mr p was uh a union guy forever and some of the stories he'd talk and then worked in like landfills and stuff where and then like some the mob stories would come oh, in yeah. and like pulling dead bodies out of the you know with the front end loaders the and just crazy yeah. stuff Did he know danny green oh yeah oh yeah well, i mean his I'm name sure was primo tell. his name was primo, primo. panzarello <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't is there even a more italian name in the world than that i don't it can't know. be i don't uh, think so i mean i got to i got to have a shot in a beer over there a couple times yeah you were there for one of the bourbon tasting yeah uh, and i things. i mean and that you know met him a few a handful of other times and i just you know understand well, why you guys just love him so much like the know? week before christmas he's laying in that hospital bed and people would come in and he's yelling at his wife patty get him a beer <laughs> get out of shots it's like eight o'clock in the morning right i'm like all right and i'm not saying no to him so no i did my shot at eight o'clock in the morning no he was he he, he will be um dearly missed by yeah. so many people and uh so hopefully he's he's staring down at us now listening to this podcast getting a, <laughs> getting a bit of a chuckle out of uh some of the stories and things we're talking about tonight i hope so uh, that won't help our ratings do we track spirits <laughs> yeah i don't know that would be something to, to try. i mean it, it can't hurt i mean it's but i tell you what'll happen someone's gonna listen to this and go i i know that guy yeah I know for Brady. sure i know yeah. i know those stories yeah guys yeah. like that tend to uh tend to have an effect on a lot of people and yeah. certainly did for you guys too yeah well i i didn't meet him until he was um had already kind of uh, fallen pretty ill. But well, I think I you probably backyard. maybe saw him. Yeah, like yeah. when we had the the concert kind of party in the yard this fall, and Primo, like I was, I was pumped to see that he was out. Yeah, he was know? still trying to party out yeah. there on the and, golf uh, cart for sure. And yeah, to talk, I mean, he he loved he loved people and he loved to party and he loved to socialize. And I don't think there like a, that was another thing. You know, when we would have those get-togethers in his yard, I think he just he loved that. Oh yeah, you know, he loved having the kids there having people just hanging out and enjoying his property. I mean, he was always so gracious about whenever we would go over and like go fishing in his pond and, you know, Sean Gross, another good friend of ours and his son like loved going there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, he loved sharing everything he had. Oh yeah. You know, he, he wanted people to be happy and he was the, probably the, one of the greatest hosts, you'll, you know, for, for just about anything. So absolutely super, super good good fella yeah a lot to learn from that guy there was there, I, had, I had one uh, story i had written down here this wasn't about primo it's more about ed that 
we had went and it's just kind of a random one but we had went fishing with tom up to pulaski and ed came with us this is probably like four years ago or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, we fished with heimbach uh salmon river any, Fish- did you see any gowdies no we didn't at we didn't even time? know about the gowdies wow. at that time we might have you might have, <laughs> but you wouldn't have known. You probably haven't even heard about the Gowdies. That's a story right, for a different but our, occasion. But our listeners have. So. <laughs> we went up there again this past year, and got into a weird situation where in this cabin we were staying at, and this, the guy that owned it was, you know, it's a it's a whole different story for another time. He had Gowdy fever. <laughs> he did. Remember Kurt Gowdy? Wasn't he like an announcer for? Yeah, yeah the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. but the the first year we went up there, it was me, Ed, and Tom drove up. We met Heimbach. We, we that time we did a drift boat where we just kind of drifted down the river and fished as we went and uh we we get down at the end of the day and it was a quick trip because we were coming back like the next day so we weren't there that long and i was like man i think my my waders were leaking you know like my my one right foot is just like soaking wet like and then he takes his you know waders off and like we're at the fish cleaning station he takes waders off and he like turns us down and literally like four gallons of water just like <laughs> like pours out of the one leg I'm like, yeah, dude. Like those waiters are toast. Like there, there's no help. The old rubber, and I had ripped them on something. So, so they were soaked. So we and I drove. We jump in my car. You know, we get our fish cleaned, and we're it's like a whatever six hour drive back home. Like yeah. after fishing and getting up at four in the morning, we were tired, and like Ed's kind of in the back seat, and Tom and I are you know just trying to kind of talk to each other. And I think it's, you know Ed just kind of fell asleep and we we made it home and then like a day or two later i'm like jesus christ my my car reeks like what <laughs> like what is going on and like i'm like i don't know i don't know what it was you know then like the next day goes by i'm like it's smelling worse like what the fuck is going on like finally the next thing i couldn't take anymore like you open it up it smells like like hot garbage in my car i'm like i gotta clean this whole thing i'm going through and i go in the back seat and i open the door where ed was sitting at some point, he must have taken his, like, soaking wet socks off from his waders <laughs> and, like, stuffed them in, like, the side, like, like compartment where you'd put, like, a pop. And they were just – and it had been, like – it was early in the season. It was still, like, September. It was hot. And it was just, like, baking. They were fermenting. They were fermenting. Like, if you could wring them out, you could probably have made something out of that. Oh, God. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, these are heads fucking socks. <laughs> I mean, it was the worst smell ever. It was oh, God. hot salmon river water, like, sock. Oof. for a week straight yikes so thanks ed for that <laughs> you're welcome yeah. fantastic wow. all right well it's time for spread them shane with shane <laughs> that one, yeah, we kind of messed that up try again, try it's again. been a while was it it's with shane though right yeah. all right it's yes it is with shane it's time for spread them with shane <laughs> all right shane all right this weekend we got the conference championships nfl yeah let's start know. with the afc let's yeah what are, we, what are we looking at shane we got the Bengals. And the Kansas City Chiefs. On the road, in Arrowhead. In How's Arrow. the weather? I don't know how the weather's supposed to be like. I bet it's cold. <laughs> it's probably going to be a little chilly. It's going to be loud. Yeah. Like Air- an airplane. Arrowhead loud. is not a friendly place to play if you're an away team. Nope. Nope. So what do you? who do you like? So the Bengals are getting seven and a half. That's a big spread for yeah. an AFC Championship game. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be closer than that. I'm not saying the Bengals are going to win outright, but it's going to be closer than that. So I'd take the points. You're taking you the, t- points, taking the points. points. Do we know what the over-under is? Um... Give me one second. Because right I have a feeling this could, could be a, be a high, high scoring, scoring game. game. 54 and a half. Wow, that's a big over under. Well, it was 36 36 going into overtime last Yeah, last I just week. don't know if the Bengals have the same firepower that uh, the Bills have. I know they have Jamar Chase. I know they have Joe Burrow. You got Joe Mixon, Joe too. Mixon. But I also know the Bengals' offensive line is horrendous. 
well. I don't think the Chiefs have have as much of a pass rush though, do they? Frank Clark, um, they do. They they, they got I Mark mean, Ingram. They, yeah, they're <clears throat> pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is back for this uh, for this game as well. He missed last week, so I and think it, what about uh, Honey Badger? Is he cleared to I play? Think he's also I think he might play, back yeah. in the lineup. So I think advantage Chiefs as well. I just want to see like how will Joe Burrow's play in a super hostile environment on the road in an AFC Championship game like that? If he's somehow Did able, you to see that last game in Cleveland? Oh, he didn't even play. Never mind. I don't know if I consider that a hostile environment. There was like 20,000 people there, and most of them were Bengals fans. We we burn our tickets. So I think that'll be a big uh, test for Joe Burrows. And if he somehow passes that test, and they like, look out, AFC North, unfortunately. Well, ushering in a new era. All All right, right. so Shane's taking the Bengals and the under? Uh, I don't. I don't feel strongly either way. Those over-unders are tough, but if I had to pick, I'd, take, I'd always take the over. All so right, so everyone no out there, take the Chiefs and the under. <laughs> Chiefs and the under will guarantee victory there. <laughs> my, main, my main pick is the Bengals plus seven and a half. Okay. All right. All right. On the Ram, we got, and then we go out west, and we got the Rams hosting the 49ers. Yep. In uh, what's it called? SoFi? The SoFi new, Stadium. New stadium. And pretty sweet. the Rams have lost the last six games to the Niners. Kyle Shanahan has uh, McVeigh's number. Number. Okay. He was uh, he was a disciple of Shanahan. I I have a similar feeling. I, I don't know what Ed's feelings are on this, but I think this is upset special. I'm, I'm I think 49ers play great defense and they run the ball and that travels well. I think it's going to be a pretty probably like chic friendly crowd at SoFi Stadium. They're not going to be losing their mind. There's going to be a lot of 49ers fans. I think the pressure is probably mounting on Matt Stafford in this playoff run. He got his first playoff win. He's never been in a game this big. Um, And I think OBJ will get what's coming to him eventually. So I, I... like the 49ers. I'm interested to hear what what uh, Ed, what do you think? I I'm taking the 49ers. Yeah. I, 49ers are getting how many points? Three and a half. The hook is big there. Hmm. What do you I, think, Jim? I gotta stick with Kyle Shannon. I think he, he's gonna have uh McVay's number one more time. I think he's gonna out coach him. Um I think they're gonna control the ball. I think they're gonna run it. I think their defense is good. I agree with you, Mike. Um and I, I do think the 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 air in the Rams sales is going to finally kind of fizzle out. Shane, what's your pick? That's what our listeners want to know. <laughs> I'm going to go against all of you. <laughs> all right, so there it is. There it is. <laughs> Take the Rams, book it. Um, when it comes down to it, comes down to these big games. You got to look at quarterback play. And to me, Stafford is. I watch Garoppolo like he's not. He's average. Like he he's. Made some, he's won some big games, but if you look at the stats, they're not good. Like his percentages are bad, his yardages are bad. Um, I'm going with the Rams. I'll give up three and a half. Okay, you hear, you're you're going to here. Seven. That means you now have to edit and upload this podcast prior to Sunday, or else this will be meaningless. <laughs> I for can all always our- like take it down and put it back up. I'm going to record this several times for all of our betting fans out there who will get this information on Monday. I'm sorry well, about well, that. Shane will edit it and repost it Monday with the actual score. And right? you know, here's what I'm telling you guys of it: the 49ers <laughs> by ro- five. Ro- robot boy. <laughs> <laughs> I will have this up before the game start. I'll All have right. them up tomorrow or Sunday. Probably, probably Saturday morning. Did you see Charlie Rose last <laughs> night? <laughs>
That was the uh, the old fart muffler from SNL. <laughs> where he's like, are you sick of being embarrassed by your flatulence in the boardroom? Why not insert this in, into your rectum? When, so next time when you pass gas, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like, did you see Charlie Rose last night? <laughs> it's just a robot voice. All right. That, um, that was a little trip through Amnesia Lane. So we're up to the point of the show where we, we go through five questions. And uh, I've written them down like a serial killer again. So maybe um, you can try to read these if you'd like, or I can read them to you. We ask you five questions. You don't answer unless, unless uh, prompted, but we try to answer them for you. Guess what your answer is. And then we go from there. It's kind of fun. Our, our listeners really enjoy this. We get a lot of great reviews on this. Yeah, it's and, super uh, popular. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard one comment. No, Does anybody yeah, ever make never. it this far? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But if you're ready to get started, we'll go ahead. Sure. All right. Who is the movie star Ed most often gets mistaken for? Huh. Hmm. Movie star that you would get most mistaken. Are we talking like Case Western Reserve Ed or Urban Vintner Ed? Well, yeah, I think. I, I, yeah, I definitely think. Ca- oh, wow. Case Western Reserve. So he's saying you look old, old now. Right. I think, <laughs> are we talking flat top Ed or more of a like disti- distinguished well, gray? I think Ed. as I look at the picture, the Case Western Reserve Ed is definitely any extra from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> 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 and and now I would say he's he's got a gosh he's a dreamy professor for the for the the Kent State University of, of the sixty year old like women the, that take thinking like the professor from Gilgan's Island is that what you're talking about? <laughs> the the nutty professor no I'm think I think he's got a Clooney he's got oh. a Clooney quality yeah very Clooney esque um hmm I'm trying to I'm trying to get a, a visual here take your shirt off Ed let's see what. <laughs> See what we got going on there. <laughs> See what we're working with. Um, huh? Maybe, maybe a uh, Kevin Costner. Oh, oh Kevin Costner, oh, like okay. uh, you know, yeah, from Yellowstone. Ooh. Yeah, he's pretty gray. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Shane? Um, Shania Twain again? again? <laughs> Every person we bring in here, he thinks it's Shania Twain. My gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna go like Edward Norton a little bit. Ed no. Norton, interesting. Yeah. Ed, do you get mistaken for any movie stars uh, occasionally? Clooney. Well, I mean that's not a bad guy to get mistaken yeah, for. No. I mean, I, that, I, yeah. Do you drink a lot of Nescafe? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Nespresso. I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't heard Kevin Costner. That's a new one. <laughs> You got a velvety voice too. I swear, I don't you know. You ever do if any like to... voiceover work? For... <laughs> I think you could. I might. I don't. I mean, not that I made it through a lot of my college classes, but I think you'd put me right to sleep. <laughs> I would like you to just read me stories at night, and I would sleep like a baby. Um, All right, number two. Excellent. Number two. In my opinion, in your opinion, Ed, which Steve Gutenberg movie is overdue for a reboot? Oh wow! I don't even. Can you give me a list of I like mean, five would, Steve Gutenberg movies? I would say the only Steve Gutenberg movie know, that Ed know. probably enjoyed was Police Academy. One or seven? That's the only one. I, those are the <laughs> only ones I know. You of. choose. Um, 
so dealer's I would, choice. I would say Police Academy one through seven. I'm going to take all of them up. I think that franchise is worth a reboot. I actually, I I would love. Is Michael Winslow still with us? I don't know. That'd be uh, fan. I, I would. I'd pay money to go see that right now. I'd take the kids. Bobcat Goldthwaite could make an appearance. Yeah. Uh gosh. I you you took Police Academy right off the tip of my tongue. I'm going to say Three Men and a Baby. Um, now Shane's stuck could, with the, no either, one knows any other Steve Goodberg movies. All I know is Police Academy. I don't even know another one to pick he from. Was, here's one. Cocoon. He was in Cocoon. All right, oh, he Cocoon. Was. I saw that when I was that could be fun. 14. Think of how funny Three Men and a Baby would be with like a Seth Rogen and uh, you know his pals and uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, that would be uh, funny. That would be funny, right? Let's yeah. get that going. All right. Ed, your thoughts on this? Uh, three men and baby. Oh, oh wow. One right with, with Selleck and da- Dancing, right? Yeah, Selleck, Tom Selleck, Ted Kirstie Alley, was she in that? Yeah. Uh, I think that's Look Who's Talking. I'm oh, not that's sure. Look Who's Talking. You're it's right. all kind of the same movie, though, right? Should've, could've been. <laughs> Travolta should've been in that movie. Uh, okay, cooler name. This is for the uh, late Catholic crowd out there. Um, cooler name. Willie Beers, Ed Paradise, or Ed Bubonics? Oh. Wow. I mean, Boobonics really has mine. boob in it, which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, but beers has beers. And, and I do love beer. Ed, Eddie Paradise. I mean, geez. I don't know anything about any of these I don't people. Know, I don't know. If, do you know Ed Paradise? You remember Ed Paradise? Hell yeah. 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 And Eddie Boobonics and Willie Beers. Well, Willie's probably a little bit older than you. Was Ed? Willie was a year older than me. What about Boobonics? He was my grade. Willie Willie was a tough guy to bring down. Well, it was Paradise like a he was closer <laughs> to us, right? Ed, Paradise was two years older than me, so he probably was maybe just a freshman or something when you were a senior or something like that. Hmm. I'm gonna say Eddie Bubonics. <laughs> I just I mean it just rolls off the tongue. Willie Beers to me is just a home run. Really, I, I would go with Paradise. I mean, you get a better last name than Paradise. I think we picked three good ones. Uh, just but you knew these people, so what do you think? Who's who's so got a name? Eddie Bubonics is the only one who had a song <laughs> that went with his name, Supersonic. <laughs> Supersonic Ed Bubonics. That's <laughs> yeah, hard to do. So yeah, I changed my answer. <laughs> so our senior year, uh, we had a coach, Dragus. He took all the film and converted them to VHS. That's how old we are. But he put songs to it, and through Eddie's was Supersonic. <laughs> that song, Supersonic. Supersonic Eddie Bubonic. Through his highlight film. Yeah. Was that, who was Supersonic? Was that Salt and Pepper? It might have been. Supersonic. The S is for the Super. <laughs> that's salt. it. It's got to be Salt yeah, and Pepper. Yeah. I know it's Salt it. and Pepper. It's got to yeah. be. Got, got to be. A good pronunciation of the Peppa. I don't Peppa. know if I got that you got right. got that right. Like Peppa Pig. This fourth one is kind of just a lighthearted uh, question. Because um, the other one's been pretty serious. Pretty serious. This one, though, uh, just you know, kind of run-of-the-mill stuff. Uh, Russia's aggressive military actions at the Ukraine border appear to be a result of the U.S. withdrawal from Southeast Asia. And could spell trouble for American allies in similar situations, for example, Taiwan and Asia. Does a lack of action by the this administration spell doom for our dem- democratic enclaves around the world? And if you're not comfortable answering this one, I have, I have a follow-up. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Southern Caucus grapes are the best. <laughs> I'm going to say pro- maybe, maybe no. I'm going to say I don't care. <laughs> 
I'm going to venture to guess Ed doesn't either. <laughs> I'm interested in those grapes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll give me a point for that one, I All think. Right. Question number five. What's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> wow, they just really hit on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, that's getting deep. Well, I'm going to say, one. just because I know Ed's a big Browns fan, I'll just go with orange. But even though not everyone loves it, but it's kind of turned into my favorite color. I'm a Browns fan. I'm going to say orange. I'm going to say this beautiful burgundy red cab. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to say, what do John Carroll, Case Western, and Kent State all have in common? Blue. Blue. Oh, wow. Shane got it. Blue. Wow. Blue it is. Blue it is. And I think that pretty much Boy, sums it up, does doesn't that, it? Wow. Does that put a bow on this this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what a line drive by Shane. Way to wrap it up. And, yeah, first uh, one I've got. All right. Yeah. That makes up for saying Kevin liked the Eagles. <laughs> Kevin yeah, Potter. That Apparently was. that was way off. <laughs> Uh, well, Ed, his wife texted me the next day. He's like day. the Big Lebowski. He's like, not, not everything but the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> anything but the Eagles. <laughs> well, Ed, uh, thanks for coming. I hope you had as much fun as we did. This was a great show, and we really enjoyed talking to you. Thank yeah, you. appreciate the 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 info on the wine and a little bit about yourself and sharing some stories and uh, having some laughs with us. It's always uh, it's always a good time hanging out with you. Ed, so glad thank glad you could come. Thanks yeah, for coming. Thank you. To our listeners, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Cup's already